Hello everyone and welcome to the season finale of Tea Series Brief. finale. It could be the series finale, but at least right now it's the season finale. TBD, to be determined. Um, my name is Patrick. Hello. Hi, I'm Abby. And Samla, signing on. If you're evil and you're on the rise, you can count on the four of us taking you down. Cause if good and evil never beats us, we'll win the fight and then go out for pizzas. We are the crystal gems, we'll always save the day. And if you think we can't, we'll always find a way. It's why the people of this world believe in Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl, and Steven. So, we haven't recorded an episode in quite some time. Since like January, I think. Yeah, a, a lot has happened. And our relationship, uh, I think we wanted to dial it back because our relationship started to get real business. Um, we'll get into that in a minute, and like all the business opportunities that we had. But we had a lot of growing to do, and we wanted to dial it back in and just be with each other. So. And also. I apologize for not, for keeping y'all on the hook. I know you've been wanting one. <laughs> um, but we're here now, and in a place where we can talk. And also, can I just say that this past 2020 has just been. <laughs> something. <laughs> something else, a whirlwind. To say the least. Absolutely incredible and frightening. And I was full of anxiety, full of depression, full of excitement, full of all sorts of stuff, man. Weird, painful, transformative, traumatic, and wait, there was three words that you used. Weird, painful, and triumphant. Triumphant. And my title for this year is Polyamory, Protests, and Pandemics. That's my album. <laughs> Today we're drinking coffee. Politics Cheers. and a, the panel of judges. Politics. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Let's take a deep breath. Let's, Let's just ground. Yes. Deep inhale. And exhale. <sighs> so, let's start from the top. Um, Here's what happened way, way back, right after our, our last episode. Instagram blew up, and uh, we got a lot of attention. So we had a bunch of blog posts uh, about us, a, like a bunch. Like and interviews and yeah. articles. Shows and like pr production um, agencies like hitting us up to try to get us on their shows. We actually got really close to being on a major television network as Trouble Trouble. Uh, and it was really rattling because it was hard to decide whether our relationship was just for show or whether we were all in it. So we got really close to the end and part of the reason why the podcast stopped too, uh, we decided to deny it because... Like we were months in for the record, like we were months into this... Planning out this, uh, yeah. this show. And it just didn't feel comfortable at all. It would have been uh, sexual in nature. It would have showed off to the world like what we were, and we didn't want to act. So we decided not to do it. 
Yeah, and I think we were like weren't sure that we would be able to like handle it without doing what we thought they wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. Not that they were pressured. It was like a really positive experience. I thought that they handled everything super professionally. They were amazing. Like they're people that like I would want to work with. Yeah, they were great. Um, but I think like us ourselves, like we weren't so secure on like what exactly this is and what this looks like. Right. So then to be like, oh yeah, let's record us figuring it out isn't a cohesive, isn't a cohesive storyline. So it's like, all right, we have to like come together with like actual like solid way of being, which is just not the nature of what our relationship was or what it even is today. It's like the nature of our relationship is very fluid. Fluid. Yeah. yeah. Ever changing. Ever changing. I don't think that we would have been able to grasp that in the episode. Mm. And it was also too like, what story do you want to paint with this episode? Mm-hmm. Right. What What is the story of the Rubble Trouble, and how are we going to package it into this like episode? And what's you know what I mean? Like, what narrative do we want to tell? Um, and I mean, part of it is this podcast is you know us being able to take our own story. And, and share it in the way that we want to, in the way that we've been figuring it out along the way. And so to kind of give that um, autonomy to someone else to tell our story was a little scary. A little it scary. caused a lot of friction. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely caused a lot of friction. So we decided to take that friction out. And yeah. that's why we stepped back on everything. Uh, but we're here now. After that, uh, 2020 exploded. Pandemic. Uh, the whole world got turned upside down and we all had to figure it out. So we went into pandemic. Yeah, my leadership thing, my leadership seminar like ended, program ended. That was like the whole first of, the whole first three months of 2020 for me were really just like putting my heart and soul into into that and business and just like really taking a kind of a step back from like our relationship. Yeah, you were super head down in your work. I was just head down, like me, myself and I, like just like working on me and I just like really saw it as an opportunity to do that. Um, and then when it, it like ended abruptly because of the pandemic and not like uh, it didn't have like a nice bow tie at the end like we didn't get a graduation we didn't do our final ceremony yeah. that whole thing I didn't get to see all my friends again like my teammates like my team you know um, and then a lot of blue balls it was hard, right so yeah much blue balls dude and it was really hard for me to like since it didn't end to like transition back into like oh there's th- there's other people in this apartment like I should make eye contact and like see how they've been doing because I've really just been worrying about myself and thank you guys for holding the but, space for that you know at the same time too like when you have a project mm-hmm. and you are doing something amazing and great and like you're like out in the world trying to transform it like we're rallying behind you you are and we, you guys were you know what I mean like whatever project whatever crazy mission they sent you on me and Patrick are literally right there with you right you are the entire time I mean you guys are my t- you guys are home team yeah a thousand percent and um but I, I, I know that like reflecting back by hindsight you know um it was it was a hard transition for me from going from multiple calls like business calls a day fundraising calls all of that yeah. to um just silence at a home and just being like <laughs> Ah, who, like who am I in in like I was like figuring out who I was in regards to me but like, who am I in regards to like us capital U yeah um, was that was landing. a crash landing it was yeah. not it was not a smooth transition it was not a helicopter end. land like we all wanted it to and I'll tell you right now 2020 is the year of not I don't want to say not getting it your way but the in the ending right like I have a lot of expectations on how I want to plan things out whether it's starting or ending. And um, 2020 has just taught me, like, dude, it's gonna, you can do everything you, you can 
but the chips are going to fall where they fall at the end of the day. Yeah, good luck with those expectations. So many things in my life in the last couple of months has been like, it wasn't quite right, but we still got there. It wasn't quite right, but we still got there every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or not right, but comfortable. And this whole pandemic was a lot of just like, all right, this is the state of the world and it's not at all what we expected. It's not at all the way that I imagined this year to go. Um, I didn't think that I'd be teaching from my computer, um, you know, um, but also I made the best of it and it's not exactly how I imagined it to look, but you roll with the punches and you, you figure things out along the way, we have, you know, we, have. we really yeah. have where literally the, the whole like quarantine started and I just jumped on my computer and I was like, all right, we're making video lessons. All right, we're getting my kids on Zoom. And like all of my parents were like giving me the feedback that I was quick about that. You're There's, an idiot. I mean, you were just like, cool. So this like this Friday's class is happening digitally. Right. It wasn't even like you waited for the administration to tell you. Yeah, there was like all this, like the world was still figuring it out, but like all of us, all that's when you started streaming. That's when you became a streamer, like literally, you know? And you started teaching like yoga classes from home and like, helping out, not just like teaching yoga classes from home, but like really making those intentional connections with the people in your life that are close to you that you want to share that with. Right. Um, yeah, I think that we've all been killing it, given our circumstances. Yeah, Yeah, I had a hard couple months. I was a, a non-essential worker in a restaurant. It was actually a cafe. And um, I was relatively comfortable there. I was making just enough money to be able to save a little bit and to pay all my bills. And right about when I was going to reach the black and not be in red, it got ripped away from me, man. It was one, I was one check away from being like, I can start a savings account. I can actually yeah. buy some things for myself. And it was like exactly at that moment, it got ripped away. So I had a hard couple of months um, just suffering through not having any money, not knowing what I was going to do. Questioning self-worth. Questioning self-worth. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. The only thing I had in my bank account went straight to rent the next month, yeah. which means that, and it's crazy to even think that I was ever in this position, but I had $37 in my account one month, and it was like, do I save my money so I can buy groceries and just build up a little bit of money for rent next month, or can I get this $2 taco? Well, the $2 taco is actually $2.37 with, you know, and it's just like yeah. doing Counting that. change, yeah. Counting it's a change. dark place to be. And um, that was super scary, but we turned it around. You know, I had to like be like, all right, I got nothing. I have zero, 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 zero. I mean, really, truly. But what I do have is my people behind me. And you guys, I really appreciate you supporting me through those couple of months of just being fucking like, oh God, I have nothing right now. I'm, I'm not worth anything. You spent and all your days like calling unemployment trying to apply for it that was, so hard. Oh, that was a whole rigmarole talking about, oh yeah want to speak on uh, california's unemployment hotline dude nothing worked the website kept crashing and i wasn't getting any money um everybody's like oh you'll be fine just call unemployment but it wasn't it was not that easy the website kept crashing the uh phones went nowhere and so i just found, i found myself stuck because you only have so many business hours to panic and then it's like at night that's done you know, you can't try anything anymore. So if I didn't succeed in anything or make even a step forward, I felt like a failure at the end of the day. And then our um, stimulus check mm-hmm. didn't come in till yep. like a month and a half after it was promised. Yeah. The good news is that 
for that last week of panic, it was actually at our old address, which was great. Right. But it had it still hadn't gotten here. Yeah. So I was like... Because the new tenants had no way of reaching us. Like, how would they know? But And thank God, it's a nice little, you know, nuclear family who was like, this looks like the stimulus check that we received. Let's hold on to this just this in case. Yeah. yeah. Thank God that they held on to it and didn't just throw it out. And it came in on, like, the 26th. So, no, we came on on, like, the 20th. And then we got it on the 26th, and I just had enough money to pay rent. on the first. So it was like, those 26 days was just like 21, 22, 23, and it was like, fuck, man, I'm not going to make it. And like, what are you going to do? Like, what the fuck are we going to, like, you know what I mean? It's not like... Get a job. But like, where? can't. Yeah. Where? And like that, like, do you guys remember the amount of fear that there was in March? It was like, I am legend downtown. Yeah. Like, yeah. there was not a soul. It was like, you start to see a fucking tumble. It was literally like the apocalypse. And we live in downtown. It's they like dense. So people. many people. And like, it was, yeah, it was so scary that just empty streets. Even the homeless people were gone because there was nobody to ask for money from. There was nobody, there was no restaurant. There was no, like, anything to, like, ask, hey, can you buy me a meal from this place? Like, yeah. it was bizarre. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, dolphins returning to Venice, uh, Venice, you know, and like all these places where it's like so densely populated, just like empty. But it was scary even to walk the dogs. It was like, and nothing safe. The air you're breathing isn't safe. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie of just like, like, can we go, can we go outside? Like my skin was like falling off of my hands from washing my hands so much. I've never used hand sanitizer in my life because I don't believe in that, like destroying your body's microbiome. And I, bitch, I was like, bathing in that <laughs> shit. I was like, I mean, I really got swept up in the paranoia of yeah. it. Yeah. But you don't know. It's an invisible it's an invisible demon that you're just like, if I get sick right now, I'm screwed. Not only can I not work, but also I'm stuck in the house. Yeah. I don't know where to go. The hospitals are overrun. And so the threat like, was real too. It yeah. wasn't just like this invisible thing that like is only paranoia. Like it was a legitimate, you know, like thing where people are dying. People are dying. And and also just highlighting, okay, kind of just tying in all of this, like... Yeah. Sorry, before you say that, when... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome to... Sharp exhale. <laughs> Welcome to the household. Um, it was, it's, it sounded like we weren't sure, right? Especially after the first month, two months, we were like, mm, I'm not really sure. I've had two people in my life die from coronavirus. So, it's a legitimate fear. Just saying. Same. If you're out there thinking, like, Oh, it's not a big deal. People in California right now are partying it up, and that's fine. And maybe it's we'll not. Get, we'll get there. Maybe it's not that terrible um, as it was a couple months ago. But people have died, so yeah. that's in the back of my mind always. Yeah. Yeah, and just kind of tying together like all this, all this stuff that has happened during this pandemic. It really, you know, yes, you lost your job. People are freaking dying, you know, and this is like. People can't afford what to live in their homes. Like people can't afford groceries right now. You know, like so many jobs lost, and and families impacted. Can't even go visit their dying grandparents yeah. in the hospital. Like, you know, so fucked. Yeah. And really, it just like really makes you look at what you have. <laughs> if anything, this quarantine has forced us to just be at our homes with each other, with the most important people that we claim to love. And, I mean, if anything, it's just like gratitude, 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 gratitude. Like, 
at least you have people at home who are holding you and buying those groceries. At least I have people, you know what I mean? At least I have a job still, you know? At least we, we And even can. when we're driving each other crazy, at least there's other people in the house. Like how many of our friends have, have really been waiting this out alone in their homes? Yeah, and the depression of that isolation. Like can you imagine being that paranoid and- Alone. Alone, and I'm yeah. a strong person. Yeah. And it, like, it, so, I, yeah, it broke my heart when we had our friends, like our single friends, yeah. like reaching out to us being like, hey, can I just come over and being like, no, yeah, like, I'm sorry, but you can't because it's not responsible. And like, we could get you sick, you could get us sick. It'll trickle out this, that and the other. And like saying no for, you know, those first couple months was heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, was heartbreaking. The other thing is the control of like, all, none of us live near our parents. All of our, all of our, all of our parents on the East Coast. All of the parents on the East Coast. So being like, like us having access to information, like us information age kids, and like trying to like translate that to like your older parents who are right. actually high risk, yeah. and like they're and then they're taking care of the grandparents who are even more high risk, and just being and just like realizing like oh like I can't control if my dad gets all his information off of Fox News. Like, right. I can't control, like, my mom's still, you know, getting together with the neighbors. Or like, maybe they are, and that they know that, like, it was like this parent, like, oh, they, they probably aren't doing all the things they're telling me on the phone, they're just telling me what I want to hear. And it was this weird reverse thing where I'm like, oh, this must be how they feel as me, as their, like, adult child, where they, they can give me all the advice in the world, but I'm still gonna live with my girlfriend and my husband in California and <laughs> with, my like, with my with dreadlocks, right? So um, I was just like, oh, this is like a taste of my own medicine because I really have to just be like, uh, even though I feel like if you don't listen to me, you're gonna fucking die. Um, and I, I know that that's how they feel about when they when I don't they listen to, to their you. advice. Right. But I think it's just so interesting, like in this age of spin whether it be communicating what's happening about the pandemic, whether you know our news outlets are communicating to us about what's happening during these protests, all of it is spin. Yeah. And so it just like really forces us to look at the information like objectively and, and oh my gosh, we'll get there when we talk about all the protests, sorry, when we talk about all the protests and everything, but you know, we stopped watching the news and started just watching Instagram stories to actually find out on the ground level what is happening, mm. you know? Yeah, one thing that happened for me was the first week of the pandemic. So, okay, so like I said, I was working on like building my career, building myself, this, that, and the other. And one of my goals was to um, quit all of my non-art-related day jobs because right. um, I had quite a few bartending um, and waitressing gigs. And by the time, by my birthday, which is March 18th, well, I was able to quit by March 1st. So I'm like, here I am, like all happy that I put in my two weeks everywhere. And I worked my last days at all of my jobs. And then March- Officially artists. Yeah, and then March 14th, everyone gets laid off at all of my jobs and San Diego shuts down. Yeah. And all of them get to like apply for unemployment because they lost their jobs because of the pandemic. And I'm like, I could have waited. But then also it gave me like the confidence to like know like well I was I've been preparing for this anyway and immediately that same week landed that that coloring book deal with right. the with the magazine yeah. and I had a twenty you know a, a contract for twenty illustrations that was paying me really well and I got like the rights to share that on my Instagram which was amazing because it gave me like content that I had I it didn't matter how I was feeling I needed to produce because it was for a client and it was producing for my Instagram so I didn't have to like share anything too too personal whatever I was going through 
and the amount of nurses and essential workers that reached out to me um, in the DM, like in my direct messages, and was just like, I literally come home and my options are like cry or do a coloring page of yours. And like, I got so many pictures of coloring pages and yeah. just getting an insight to what, you know, the hospitals in Virginia look like, the hospitals of what Florida look like, and not, you know, New York and all of that. And it was, um, it added to it. You know, it wasn't just like nurses are overrun. It was like, I know their names. I like know what their kids look like, even though I've never met them in person. Like they're telling me their experiences of like what's like to be in Verm even in Vermont and all of this stuff. And On the flip side, I had that same goal, but I'll be honest with you. I don't think I had the same. I don't think I had the drive or the energy because of working in a kitchen to actually make my dreams come true. And when my normal life, when my life of uh, what's the word like complacency got ripped away yeah. I didn't have any security it forced me to just be like okay you gotta do Go it. For it you have to do yeah. it now and yeah. you, actually you don't have a choice or you're fucked yeah. so um, that's when I started streaming so twitch.tv slash daydream boy yeah, yeah. come hang out with me Monday Wednesday Friday every day at 2 o'clock except for tomorrow because we're moving but I've really really stuck to that like hardcore and I made it a business and there was a bunch of people out there that are all alone yeah. and need somebody staring at their computers just being like, I can play, I guess I can play video games by myself. I guess I can just watch YouTube. I guess I can Scroll just- Scroll Instagram and go crazy. Yeah. yeah. And we've, me and uh, my good friend, Ketchup Thing, AKA, I'm just gonna call him Ketchup Thing actually, yeah. I'm not gonna dox him. <laughs> um, and Mustard Boy, shout out to everybody in my community. You guys, we've, we came together and we created something and we have a, a thriving community now that is um, that was a stand for all of this like nobody needs to be alone and Yeah, I was just kind of forced into it. So what I ended up developing is that community on Twitch um, For everybody to come together and I really felt like I had a place in the world to lead that and um, And I started doing way more art um, <laughs> teaching Paint and sip classes for people that are bored as hell and also super sad and needed an outlet yeah. And I got to provide that from them just from my computer just from my little desk um, you know, I don't have to have, I realize I don't have to have a space in order to create that for people. So, you know, I got 16, 20 people on a Zoom call, all teaching them how to paint. Um, and just to see their throwing body parties. language. Th basically throwing parties. Virtual parties. Yeah. And to see their body language from like, ugh, to at the end, wow, look what we did. Look what we did together. Look what I've got now. Something to... Something from that virtual party to now put up on your wall and say, okay, I'm living still. I still exist in this world. I'm still making things. Um, and so to be able to provide that for people and get paid for it was just phenomenal. I realized my actual potential. Between that, getting um, personal gigs because people are staring at their walls now and they're ugly mm -hmm. uh, and they're plain. And also... There's a lot of opportunity for, for visual artists right now. Yeah. Musicians, visual artists. People just picking up on their projects that they had long neglected. Yeah. Yeah. And also having birthdays and weddings and all sorts of things in isolation. Yeah. I want to reach out to you. So, you know, I'm here for the opportunity to say, uh, I can paint something for you so you can so we can send it over and you can share that love. And um, I really took advantage of that opportunity and I think brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people that were um, just really, really lonely. And I was able to thrive, you know, and now I've got enough to pay rent. <laughs> I think it's just so beautiful that, you know, even though we're not essential workers in the sense that we're not nurses, yeah. you know, 
um, or, or postal service, or postal service shout people. Out shout out to the USPS. And just, you know what I mean? All these pe people who are, are grocery baggers, yeah. you know, who are at the front lines of this pandemic. Yeah. And we, you know, I think this whole pandemic really made me reflect and question, okay, what is my role in yeah. society? How, how essential am, am how I? How essential am I? What am I putting out with my energy and my effort to help build this world and to also help heal this world this really really fucked up world i didn't have a sense of purpose you know i was doing things because that's what i thought i should do i thought i should build a name for myself i thought i should 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 i should build a name for myself i should be making money i went to art school i should make it pay for itself and apply myself but having all that ripped away and, and being at the ground level and that's what i mean by like this this year has like really lifted the veil of like what we think we should be doing and it's just really kind of like made us like look at, okay, what is my purpose? So I realized that in that area um, that I am needed in that way, that people do need lovely artwork, that people need to feel connected, that I can create community for people that, um, we need leaders, you know? We need leaders in this world. And I realized like, holy shit, maybe I am that person. I don't need to do it just for the sake of doing it because it looks good to everybody else. Well, it's not about being everything to everyone, right? Like, you're not everyone's cup of tea. You're ours. Okay. But, um, <laughs> you know, everyone takes a sip of tea. Um, right? Like, it's not about, like, oh, how can, I, how can I save the world? It's about, like, how can I hold and create space for my community? Oh, shit, what is my community? Like, I think for you, I, like, I'd love to hear you speak about, a little bit about your tutoring business that you created because yeah. that is your... Yeah, that is your genre of human, right? Small and learning to read. <laughs> yeah, I just think that, right, like reevaluating what is my purpose in this world and how am I showing up in this world and how am I helping it, you know? Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like I'm making an impact on like a hundred people, hundred thousand people in the hospital that I saved, you know? But it's like if you even just change one person's life, you're changing their whole world. Right? You're changing the whole world for your community, for your stream team, you know, and you're changing your your aunt's world and how she even operates and moves in, in this body, body yeah. in her body, and and for your friends too who jump on you with yoga. That's such a gift and, because yeah. the sedentary nature of this quarantine is is like it's essential that you totally. get people up. Or or even like the coloring pages, like you're providing me that mental health mm -hmm. to those as to the to the nurses. Like how fucking beautiful. A screen break, you know. And, and then for me, I think my purpose really, like, man, it, it just gave me a chance to be like, what am I instilling in these kids? This is the next generation. This is our future. Like, really, really taking that responsibility as a teacher to heart. And yeah, like, what are you really teaching? Are you teaching math? Are you teaching English? Or are you teaching resiliency and growth mindset? Growth mindset and, like, ways of being and how to treat one another and, like, not have those implicit internal biases that we inherit from our from our family and that we observe from the rest of our community like like how how do we interact with one another in this space um, in this classroom and those kids could very easily just be watching youtube all day and doing basically nothing and just you know you can imagine what their parents are feeling like if we're feeling this way i'm not a parent but imagine how they are dealing with all of this, maybe loss of job, maybe they're, only, they're sedentary, they're getting depressed, the they're getting The guilt lazy. of letting their kids be on screens all day. Right. 
So you provide something that's like a value. They're you still have them growing. inventing things. Yeah. Building and inventing. That's yeah. Magic. With our Simple Machines project last year, um, they all like learned about simple machines, pulleys, and lever systems. And then we all came to our Zoom call and they all like would bring something that they found around the house. Or, you know, on Fridays we had like, uh, wear your favorite hat day to our Zoom call or whatever it may be. That kid that invented the pencil holder snack dispenser. Okay. I was like, kid, you got something. You got me. Market you got it. me. I'm sold. <laughs> like, let me How get... can we start mass producing yeah. this? Let, 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 All let me... of my kids, you know, it really sparked. Let me get your Shopify. I'm trying to buy one <laughs> yeah. of those. Like, what the heck? <laughs> All of my kids had this like spark of like, I'm an engineer now and, and yeah. wanting to create things at home and work on these little mini projects. Um, and I think that what I really tried to instill in my kids last year was that curiosity, mm -hmm. um, that like expansiveness, that like, oh, Exploration, you know. Exploration. Exploration. Do you guys remember 8 p.m.? Yes! 8 oh, p.m. Yeah. The Howl! <laughs> the, uh, they play, the, um, there's a bar that is right from downstairs. The from the from. And they uh, play, um, what is that? I the don't Aerosmith? Wanna close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I, I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, sorry for everyone with headphones. We should just edit that out. We, it was, this town was wild for like a month. Oh my god! We did. That was so fun, guys. So, All the lights wait, so like, let's say, so at eight p.m. we had a, a, a it was, I think it was like supposed to be a clap in the rest of the country for essential workers, where everybody would, and it was dark already at that time, and everyone, like you said, would flicker their lights on and off, and you could see like who's actually home in the apartments. Um, but we would just like open up our windows and because we don't have a front lawn to stand on, we're you know eight flights up, um, and just belt out Aerosmith with the rest of the block and scream out the windows and howl. And yeah. you could just even the fire department got involved and they started driving down the street yeah. at that eight o'clock with their sirens going, not in a scary way, but like in like yeah. a parade type way. Yeah. And um, anyone who's in their cars would just honk on their horns. And it was just for like five minutes straight, just get out everything that you've been like quiet about all day in honor of essential workers. Yeah, and the sense of camaraderie too, that we're alone, that we're not alone in this. Alone you know? together. Alone together. Alone together. <laughs> exactly, because we really missed out on those auxiliary relationships of like being able to wave hi at the, you coffee know, shop. at the coffee yeah. shop people or the postman. Um, but yeah, I feel like that really gave us a sense of like, hey, I'm here too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we've yeah. never, we don't know the people across, across the building, the building yeah. across from us, but um, we saw them every single day for a few months yeah. at 8 p.m., you know, flashing their lights and dancing in the windows. and um, We got to see our neighbors that would never we, hang off that balcony and look right. our way. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you you're not again. supposed to look at other people's apartments. That's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> but but like, for a moment, we all we gave permission. wave to each other and yeah. clap. And that was really special to be in downtown San Diego for that. Totally. Mm. No. Yeah. So speaking of large crowds, let's and talk about then, and the then protests. the protests. And it's really interesting that we're like literally here in this landscape of downtown during the pandemic and during these protests. It's been we've been Very, like right in the hub of it, you know. So yeah, we're down in the middle of uh, San Diego, and George Floyd is. Uh, murdered by a police cop, and the entire world gets to watch this time. 
and this is something that Abby and I always spoke about that like my <laughs> my relationship to the world is very different um, my relationship to the United States is very different than most people's um, As a that, are, that are not of color for everyone who doesn't know yeah if you're white passing if you didn't know I'm black um, if you're not white passing if you're not um, even just a light-skinned person like walking around especially like there's, there's this nervousness that I'm gonna that I'm doing something wrong that I am wrong so if I when I'm walking like some a few funny examples I got pulled over on a bird um, because I had allegedly broke a red light yeah you heard that right you got pulled over on a bird scooter scooter what pulled over my pockets turned inside out um, and given an issue to ticket for it. And you were on the street. Everyone, people, just to give you a like visual, there's mad drunk people on fucking sidewalks, like driving through crowds on birds regularly. White people in flip flops, just like bulldozing through crowds, and I get pulled over. We went to um, we went to a park early in our relationship, and we we're walking the dog, and Abby was like, "Oh, we can just leave her off leash." I'm like, "Yeah, normally, but I'm afraid." And that's when I really like started to see that my see my own privilege, right? And see that our experiences in this world aren't the same. That literally I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten so many slaps on the wrist and like, you know, getting let passes. off passes and getting let off the hook because I'm some cute little innocent Asian girl, you know? And my experience of, or just even hearing about the things that you've had to go through with authority, with the, with the cops, I'm just like, it's, it's like unfathomable to me. I'm just like, what? I, like, I, they would never treat me that way. Or, Until you were there that Until day. I was there. It was, just the two, it was just the two of them. Yeah. The two of you guys. Yeah, so there was, you know, other people walking their dogs and things like that. The, dog wasn't, the dogs weren't supposed to be on that beach at that time. But or we the were, park. At the, it was a park near the beach. Oh, word. And it was like, um... We were just playing volleyball. We were off to the side, right next to the parking lot, so we thought, I think we should be okay. And the cops rolled up on us, asked me who, whose dog that was, and then proceeded to question me and issue me a ticket. And Abby was like, I used to bring my dog here all the time. No one ever bothered me. And there were so many people there with their dogs off leash. And so I was like so confused. I was like, "What?" And they're literally just trying to make an example out of you. They're and start, you didn't get you didn't get your license. I didn't get my license ran. I didn't get fingerprint. Like you literally, they took out their little ink pad to fingerprint you. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, what? There were two old white ladies with two little chihuahuas, not bothered at all, but they rolled up on me on four by fours, and it's like that's just how it is. I have, to fo- I have to follow the rules more and even assume that when I do follow the rules, if I get pulled over or if something happens, no sudden movements. Don't be weird. Like, I have to act in a certain way to protect myself against the law, yeah. not just... Because some of you that are listening, like, if you're, if you're not doing anything wrong, do you get nervous? Oh, my bad. Sorry, officer. It's not like that for me. It's like, I could be in trouble right now. You are in even trouble. when you're not doing you are in trouble yeah. until you've convinced them to like you it's like you have to like explain it's like you need a hall pass to exist outside in the world yeah. and as of recently we're getting to see even inside your own fucking home like you as a black person in the United States of America need to have an excuse for being on the street for standing at the corner for like it's like the assumption, like you must be up to something you must because be you're up to something because you you're black. Because you're black. Because you're black and you're on the street, you must be up to something. And so you're already starting off from a place of like guilty. So like in their eyes. So in my in my life, I'm like, okay, fuck it. Like I'll 
do my best and make it, um, make it so that I can wear suits around and no one will ever bother me if I have enough money. But I'm also an artist. I get to have paint on my fucking jeans and like wear scruffy clothes because I don't want to get my nice clothes dirty. And wear like, facial piercings. like. Yeah, and if I go out like that, I'm a suspect, always. Yeah. So all of this goes down and it goes down in our backyard. I mean, right next to us. So, right, the protests, you the mean. Protests. So, the protests for George Floyd, yeah, immediate, you know, imme- it was an, there was an immediate response Eruption. here. And everyone and was the on country, their phones. The Literally, everyone was looking at their screens because we were inside for the pandemic, so I feel like that just... Everyone also... found out at the same time. Yeah, yeah. We went over to um, the first protest. In Kiri Mesa? No, it was Mira Mesa. La Mesa. La Mesa. La Mesa, there's a, there's a, a police station there a notoriously racist police station yes so we go over there and um i mean tear it was like a war zone it was wild it was there were policemen standing with their riot gear with their guns pointed towards us and this was the first weekend of like george floyd right so yeah. it was before all the other protests right. it was at, it was the, the first time. it was yeah. the first national response to the george floyd thing because right. i think locally they, they, had, they already had stuff going on right i go right up to the front and I stare those cops right down, and we're chanting and speaking, and they're just... And there's hundreds of protesters. Hundreds of protesters. Yeah. yeah. And they're shooting us with tear gas. Um, they're shooting us with rubber bullets. I, when I heard rubber bullets, I was like, okay, that's not a big deal. I got shot in the back, dude. My back exploded. It ripped the skin right off your back. Yeah. yeah. I was bleeding for days. I got uh, flashbanged. <clears throat> they were throwing flashbangs into the crowd, and I couldn't hear out of my left ear for two weeks. It was like... So, Pat and I have a pretty long history of showing up to protests and rallies for climate action, uh, for the Women's March. Like, we've been to lots of organized political gatherings. Yeah. Um, been pretty socially active. Yeah, for sure. And politically active. Um, nothing prepared me better for that day at La Mesa than my years of going to Warp Tour and getting my shit rocked at Devil Wears Prada and Amir. Because that is what it was like. It was a fucking mosh pit of tears and blood and spit and bullets and like and people pouring milk on your face yeah, to try to like it ease the pain of the, crazy, of the tear gas. Tear gas is like it's 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 very hard to explain like what that experience of you just see like a cloud coming towards you and you're like I'm not gonna be able to outrun this I'll just you know I'll just wait it out and then you realize. Like, first impression of that protest is we're walking towards the police station and there's like this cloud coming towards us and we're like oh is that the tear gas that they were talking about online and then um so pat have you keep walking and this uh this you just start to like feel like an itch in your throat and then i just see this family with little kids coming out um uh crying and like the kids are screaming and they're like you can tell the parents couldn't like completely disoriented couldn't see what was going on so i like went over to them and like grabbed them like brought them like so they wouldn't be downwind yeah Yeah, behind a building and like started pouring water in their eyes all of this and now i'm choked so by the time like okay they're good i like start walking back i couldn't forget not being able to see you guys i couldn't see three inches past my nose it was so intrusive like your lungs it feels like your lungs are rice paper and they've been lit on fire um and it's just completely a whole body experience of just agony um yeah that was my first that was like the first like 30 seconds that was like we hadn't even made it to the police station yet yeah that was us getting out of the car basically yeah 
And it was just chaos. I mean, it was like the crowd moves in, we're yelling, uh, chanting. Like there wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, hey, this is gonna be our rallying cry. It was just like, you know, we have signs, like everyone's there. And then like every 12 minutes or so, it felt like it was on a timer. They would throw the smoke, smoke uh, tear gas at us throw flashbangs, which are incredibly, I wasn't close enough to one that day where it affected me the way it did to you until future protests after that. But it was just, it was terrifying. It was really, and there's helicopters above your head saying that we're gonna arrest every last one of you. Um, There's like cars like swerving in the streets and like breaking red lights and like motorcycles driving through the crowd. Yeah. It was just like, what the fuck is happening right yeah. anarchy anarchy absolutely anarchy. on both sides because people are fucking pissed dude. of course i've lived at this my whole life you can't just be murdering people in the streets like that's if i just make a wrong move in like, slow motion murdering people in slow fucking motion yeah. in looking at people in the face as you're doing it looking into the camera just despicable i feel like oh my god it's just like gotten even fucking worse that was just the beginning of it so after that, after we went to that protest, we left before sunset. That was like that's always been kind of one of our rules to leave by sunset. And after we left, they lit that town on fire. Like, yeah, we, they, like, we never lit. participated in any riots just because it's just too dangerous. Like the point of the protest is to face the police head on. It's not to fight them. Yeah, and it's like everyone has their role to play, and I'm like very clear as a light skinned Latina that like my role to play isn't ransacking the uh the grocery store or breaking any property like that's right. not that's not who i am and like that's not the role i i have to play here like i'll be here during the sun sunlight hours and i'm gonna you know say my thing and sh- like show up physically um but i'm definitely not gonna light any tires on fire at any police cars like that's just not who i am yeah i don't see the point in that either like it doesn't make me feel any better it's staring them in the eyes yeah. and saying my piece um, that gives me honestly a little bit of relief after 31 years of being here and being like terrified. You know, it's just like, you know what? I'm not fucking gonna back down. Shoot me, tear gas me, flashbang me. I'm still standing right here and I'm gonna continue to live in your fucking society whether you like it or not. You can start killing us off, but it's only gonna make us rise. And so we went to that one. And like I said, we, we live in downtown San Diego, so we actually. Um, had a protest. We had so many protests right down our street. Yeah, right out our window. If you follow us on Instagram, you see it on our stories regularly. Yeah. And right outside around the corner, the same thing. It's really wild, man, to be like this busy metropolitan area with these nice restaurants and things like that, and then just to see, see it turn into a complete war zone. We were, again, face to face, and tear gas. People were getting shot with rubber bullets on in the Broadway. head. On Broadway. On Broadway. City yeah. center. Blood, like, blood everywhere. It was wild. They had tanks. And it was like, dude. I mean, there were idiots throwing water bottles. That but a water bottle does not have the velocity. You have a helmet on. The, it does not have the velocity to knock you out. Yeah. Like you shot somebody in the head. That was, I was really proud of that protest for like the protesters because like the, there were people throwing water bottles and that was like the first time I saw, like La Mesa was a fucking mess. It was just like anything goes. It was really like, oh my God, just whatever, anything goes on both sides. Um, and downtown was like the first time that I saw people like tackling people throwing on our side, tackling people throwing water bottles, being like fucking stop. I yeah. grabbed this kid, dude. Yeah. I was so fucking pissed because I'm like, he he like we're all backing away, tear gas flashbangs, so we're backing up. Um, 
and this kid just hucks uh, a water bottle kind of over his shoulder and then like turns away. And I just grabbed him. I was like, don't do that. You're not the one that gets shot. It's the yeah. people in the front. You're, you're standing behind the people in the front throwing the water bottles. So, and it's the older when, people in front. Like, right. I mean, and when I say older, I mean like 30. I had just gotten patched up. So I had a patch on my back still bleeding, still bleeding. from the one from the, you know, two days before. So I'm like, yo, dude. You're antagonizing them and, it's a bunch and of it's other people's bodies that are on the front line. Right. Who's them, throwing the water bottles? It's like teenage boys. Right. You're, t- you're making them feel like, <clears throat> like they're justified. Like, look at these, look at these angry rioters versus us being a protester, protesters and standing with a message, with a message. So I was pretty angry about that, but I was also just riled up in general, like being, being, you know, put into a war that I never signed up for. It's more, I, I, what, you know, what was really clear to me is that the really powerful moments of, of that protest in particular, uh, like highlight from that one was us going right up against the, the police lines and then the, and kneeling with our hands up and chanting in unison. And then that's when I got hit by a flashbang. Like they threw a flashbang and landed like super close to me, and it was just like it. It is just like in the in Call of Duty, like in the video game. Just like that. Everything goes white, and you just hear. Yeah. Yeah. You can't hear anything. You can't see anything. You're just like, and it like slowly like shakes back into like perspective. But you you still have the ringing, but you can see, and you're just like, oh, my body stayed where it went, where it was, or oh, I've moved ten feet because without noticing, my body started running as a reaction, Um, and. Like that was powerful. Like, nobody had thrown a water bottle. Nobody, had, you know, we were just, we were just chanting. We were literally on our knees with our hands up, and them still shooting at us was an incredibly powerful and telling moment. So that's the kind of stuff that like I hear about, and I'm like, I have to see it to believe it. Like that's why I have to go to protests because yeah. I don't want to hear about it on Twitter from one side and then the news from the other, and then be like, hmm, the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's like, no, I want to be there. No, yeah, there are teenagers throwing water bottles, instigating, and. No, even uninstigated, the cops were still planning on they, throwing. They shot. They shot first. A lot they, of times. A, a lot, lot of, of the times. protests we went to, they shot first. And then the other moment during that protest that really is seared into my memory as just one of the most, probably one of the most beautiful moments in my life, um, was that band. So yeah, I was gonna say that that was the most powerful moment for me. Was there was like these trumpet players and saxophone. like saxophone and like drummers, and I think they were playing that. Um, parade song from the end of Guava Island Mm -hmm. and it was just such a beautiful moment to be like you know what our joy is our protest our coming together as a community and we are still singing we are still singing we're still still banging these we're dancing we're like our hearts are still going to be together in unison and that is our protest and that was just so powerful. It was like so the end of Guava Island, right? That like they killed the martyr, and yet still, everyone in this like everyone's still celebrating in the streets. And they marched right forward in step, like not fast, not too slow, like it just enough to get. It was like the it felt like a collective like they led the collective feeling of it's like the the string quartet on the Titanic. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. They played to the bitter fucking end. Right. Like to me that, oh, I'm like gonna cry right now. Yeah. Like to me that's who those guys really were and yeah. they walked right up to the front and then just like, didn't matter. It didn't matter if you were somebody throwing water bottles and cursing them out or if you were on your knees with your hands up. It didn't matter if you were somebody playing beautiful music and having people like smile and just like release a little and dance a little after everything. Yeah. 
they're still gonna throw, they're still gonna shoot you with rubber bullets. There was so much, so much power with the drum line, though. Because, yeah. I mean, that's how wars, you know what I mean, started. Yeah, historically. That, historically, or, like, yeah. you know what I mean? That there's, like, the drum drummers in front who are leading the charge. That's what it felt like. But that's what it felt like. It was, like, they were providing that heartbeat. And they kept coming back for hours. Yeah. Hours and hours. They kept, you know, they'd, they'd have to run and disperse and get, you know, water in their eyes. And, and then they would find each other and reset. And, like, those guys are just, like, such heroes to me. They really yeah. are. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I made friends out there. Like, pe the people that are in front, it's the same people that keep showing up. So I was like, oh, you again. Are you okay? Do you need water? Um, I have a friend over there. If you get tear gas, like, we've got everything set up. Do you need an extra mask? How are your people? Is everything okay? How's your back? There's one guy that was like, how's your back, dude? Because he saw you get shot in the back. Yep, and he picked me up um, when, I, when I went down because I was, like, just in absolute pain. And we walked right back up to the front after that. But he was one of those people that was, like, grabbed my arm and, like, walked me behind a bunker. Um, like, you know, those, those parking lot bunkers? Like, they became real bunkers. Yeah. And we like sat back there and I was like, fuck my back, dude. Oh my God. And I was like, I can still walk. I'm good. Like I didn't get shot shot. I think it was a rubber bullet. Um, but it felt like somebody took a sledgehammer to my back. And then the next, you know, the next two days he was like, how's your back? <laughs> I was like, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah there was a lot of people taking care of one another, wasn't yeah. there? People handing out snack packs of right. like pretzels. Uh, shout outs to all of our friends that sent us riot gear and things like that, by the way, that, that went really far. Like, we got masks in the mail. We got, um, the biggest thing first aid. was the, the first aid, so we used that. And then also um, the earplugs. I was ear, like, that's genius. Yes, Thank ear you. Earplugs, masks, goggles. Um, lots of our friends across the country who either don't live in a place where there are protests uh, happening or where they don't feel like the protests that they're attending are like making quite an art. They're not ending up on the news, right? Or um, they're not responsibly able to because they live with their parents to go out and protest. During a pandemic, yeah. During a pandemic, and I respect right. that. Um, were mailing us, you know, just supplies and droves. It, yeah. The support was amazing. This like spirit of like camaraderie, camaraderie and togetherness, and like you, like unison. We are one people, yeah. right? That's we this are is the a, people. This it's is us. The people this on this is the side. hard line in the sand. You either stand for people or not. Yeah. Right. You see your fellow human as a actual fucking human or not. Like that's that's what we're that's what the line in the sand is. There's people and, buying pizza for the crowd and handing yeah. out water. Yeah, I, I like whether it's like on the ground level, like the actual physical person who's standing next to you, like in the front line, or whether it's people who are sending you supplies, or whether it's us posting about it on our social medias, or us doing a virtual run with all these other people. Like we're 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 coming together as a people, as Americans, as a people. Yeah, yeah. And also, just to be clear, um, Black Lives Matter all the way. Black Lives Matter. But also, like, we're here down in, on Mexican land. Yep. Like, it's not just... On Kamayan land. On Kamayan land. And... Kumayay. There's, there's that Kumayay. as well. Kumayay. Sorry. Go ahead. Get it up. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> we're trying to look at the syllables right now. Kumayay. 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 I think it's Kumay. Okay. Go ahead. Native... Mexican people, this is their land that got taken. So the same way we have Black Lives Matter and like black people getting shot in the streets, we also have children um, in cages down in Mexico. So it's a, literally it's a, like 30 minutes away from us. It's a two front fight. It's not just us. It was Mexicans and it's black people standing together. So I just want to be super clear about that. Like a lot of Mexican it. flags in the crowds. Yeah. yeah. Black and brown and indigenous people and just my, minority immigrant people like we're all like we're all coming together right now. 
We're not all born criminals, dude. Yeah. The fuck? And like your struggle. I pay taxes. And, and part of that, that's what got me so angry too, yeah. is that like, we're getting shot in the streets, all of this shit is happening, everybody's like, oh man, like Patrick, I didn't see that it was like that, and like, I support you and I love you, and I'm oh, like- Oh shit, you're black, dude? When did that happen? Oh my gosh. Yeah, also, let me get my fucking check. Like, where's my, where's my unemployment, you fucks? Like, it's not just that, it's not just being able to survive here, but it's like, so many people got their money so quickly, and I'm like, on top of, protesting against the state i'm also not even getting the aid that i'm supposed to get and i was just so frustrated it's like the promise of life liberty and property and for black people they're just starting with life we're just even just starting for the from the you know what i mean they're just trying to even just have life i was screaming that at them i was like i pay my taxes like i'm paying like pay i i pay your paycheck i pay your paycheck dude like i'm not your enemy and i know it's not a me specific thing but you know when you see somebody like george floyd go down it just feels personal. Yeah. And, um, and the protest continued, and then there was this you know, city council meeting that we were able to phone in on, and I really put a lot of hope and energy into trying to get people into like, calling in and into participating like, civically, because I, I, you know, I don't believe like we need to tear everything down in this country right like if i really thought this country was like rotten to its core i would just move somewhere else like really i wouldn't you know um but like i do believe i I, like i press so hard because i know we can do better right and part of that is like i don't think our entire governmental structure is a failure and like I, i think it has many failings and i think that the framework that it has there's a way in which we can change policy and change society. Right, so the protests are just to bring attention to it, but really following it up with action. And voting and, and all voting of that. And, yeah. So calling in for this you know, town hall, city hall, I think they call it, um, because they were voting on the budget, mm-hmm. which would have increased um, the, the police. You know, and, and this is when the conversation about defunding the police and abolishing the police and all that had, had started. Uh, not started, but like we're really getting people. Were, you know, suddenly were like looking up, like what does defunding the police mean? Like let's talk about it. And um, and it was like here's this opportunity to like it's not even let's defund the police. It's like let's just not give them more millions of dollars and redistribute that to the other things that you guys are like kind of like killing off. Um, and then and then we can talk about defunding from there. But step one, let's not give you an increase. And hundreds of people hundreds. called in. Hundreds. We, we listened. On live Me and Sam, we listened to the meet, to the city council meeting mm-hmm. for like eight hours. Yeah, like and it just went on before playing. and after. I listened to it too. It was just it was it, it was the music we played for that day. Yeah, that was all we had it on. Yeah, we had it on speaker in the apartment, and it just went on. And you could you couldn't call in. It was like a voting for American Idol. Yeah. circa two thousand. San Diego residents, you know? just like so like hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of you know San Diego residents calling in and just saying like voicing a their message yeah. of do not give the police an increase this budget is unacceptable and you know what at the end of the fucking day every single council person except one except ours in our district yeah. uh voted to, to pass. in to pass to increase the budget for the police department yeah. and it was like bet i'm gonna be on the streets protesting tomorrow what how dare you Call yourselves representatives of me, We're of hundreds of this entire county. In. How yeah. dare you? 
Um, the good news is very that, frustrating. The good news is that after that, um, the protests got way more peaceful. We were still obtrusive. Yeah, we got more organized. Yeah, we we still um, uh, we still you know blocked off streets and things like that. Not to be not to specifically be obtrusive, but to well, yeah. to show. I mean, not to uh, not to. How do I say this? The the point was the message, right. not to break people's day, but to be like you have to look now. Yeah. Um, and you it can't was, turn away from this. You can't turn away from this. And it was it was it, they became way more peaceful, and way more frequent. Um, you know, we participated less, just because we're going to this move and things like that right now. And and one thing I have to say is that we went hard on the protesting and things like that for a month straight. Um, that's all we did. And also take care of yourself. You know. That's the only way that we're going to continue this fight, and it not just be you know this moment or while it's still trending, you know. Like. It was hard not to get uh, just like the pandemic was like getting swept up in this national uh, heat of the moment of like everything must be disinfected, wipe down the soy milk, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, same thing with the protests because it, it just and then like Breonna Taylor with all these stories coming to light, and then just re- reflecting back and being like all the way back to Trayvon Martin and all of that, and just being like, it, it was like during the day, like morning hours, it was like educating, like reading up, like being like, okay, what was Tamir Rice's story again? Like, um, what does defunding, what would abolishing the police look like? Watching documentaries, watching documentaries. listening to podcasts, like inundating right. ourselves and then with information. Afternoon was protests, like out on the street, you know, black on black, protest signs, all of that. And then like at night we'd come home and like watch Selma. Like it was like every day, like nonstop. Like this is our job and our responsibility right now. It became our full time jobs. Like yeah. I wasn't even working on client work. Yeah. Also, shout outs to people that um, sent us money for food. That was really helpful because yeah. like normally we all either cook for ourselves or cook for each other. You know, whatever. There wasn't even like, uh, let me just make a quick ramen for myself. It was like it was just so hard to just even focus. Nonstop writing letters to writing letters to politicians, like making phone calls, signing petitions, um, organizing. I I realized by the end of like really like a lot of my role in in the protest is like helping people like process after because it is a very traumatic experience to be shot by the people who you were raised and told were there to protect you. Um, Well, that's what I feel like we had this home base with each other that we go out into the world we listen to a podcast or watch a documentary come together and have these important conversations about racism and like structural racism in our society and just like I think that you guys have been really really integral in my just growth and and development and like trying to like just to try to even like wrap my head and process what's happening in this point of time in our in our history yeah because I think for me, it's it, it would have been hard for me, and of course it's like the household I grew up in and that whatever, but like as a Latina woman, how could I not be political when they have like babies that look like what I look like and like my brother and sister look like in cages at the border? Right. Um, and how could Pat not be political as a black man? Like, it, it's like as, as like a Latino and like as a black person, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you want to take a step back, you're in it. You're in it, baby. Yeah. You have family in prison. I have family that's been deported. Like, you know what I mean? So it, it's like an immediacy. Um, whereas, and maybe me, you know, as an Asian American uh, child of immigrants, you sure. know, like I have a privilege as being seen as this model minority and where like um, we've had that privilege of, of turning a blind eye to it, you know, um, because Asians are seen as like 
the good immigrants who like follow all the rules. You're toler. Here's the thing about Asian Americans: is like Asian Americans are tolerated by white society more than they tolerate others. Yeah. But you're not accepted. Right. It's right. very obvious. Yeah. But I mean, like, it, it was very fly, obvious for back. me to like be like, hey, this is my struggle too because these are my people. Even you know what I mean, like. Well, just to fly it back because in the beginning it was. Um, it was George Floyd and it was pandemic so you know we have this protest because black people are getting killed in the streets we've also got Asian people looking as disgusting because you started this thing right doesn't matter yeah. where you came all from all this discrimination towards all your Asian right. people during that time exactly true yeah yeah. yeah yeah and I think like and then also too just like living with you and seeing your experience of things firsthand and loving you you know what I mean I was like no this is my fight too because I love this person and these are like Tamir Rice could have been my student. Yeah. That's my student in my class, and that I took so personally. I was like, this this little girl got shot in her bed. She was six. That's my student, you know. So, we're this is all of our fight. This is all of our fight. Whether you are black, brown, or even white too, you know, like yeah. it, it should be your fight too. I mean, yeah, definitely a lot of. I think a lot of. It's like there were all these sleeper agents in society that um, it just took one, it just took the right viral video to activate that part of their brain that's like, whoa, I've been pretending that none of this has been happening and it doesn't affect me, but it actually affects the people around me. I didn't think it did because I thought it only affected like, you know, like those guys. Yeah, other people, those other black people who are selling drugs, those other Hispanic people who are here illegally. It's like, nope, this actually affects... Uh, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think it was really a bizarre and privileged. I don't know, like thing to like to like see that and like a lot of my white friends just being like, a lot of them reaching out, just being like, "Where do I start?" And I'm like, "Why are you asking me?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like the most politically active, or maybe the most diverse person in your life." And I'm like, "That's not a role." I'm like. I realized that I played. Um, yeah, I had to talk to a lot of my white friends about what's going on. And I was like, at first I was like, it's not my fucking problem for you to figure out how to not be racist. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe. They don't know what it's like inside my head and my experience. So yeah. it's up to me to, to at, at the very least, like, I don't think I need to teach you how to not be racist. Like, figure that out. But also some information. Yeah. Of, like, and I think also to you, it's like you get to. Like, yeah. just sharing our experiences, sharing our stories, then makes other people be like, oh, this is a black person's story, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's representative of all black people, but I have some insight on how my black friend told me a story about how the cops treat him, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, like, I just would have never had that insight, not because I didn't choose to have black friends, but just in the communities that I grew up in, there wasn't a lot of black people. Like, yeah. growing up in Murrieta and going to high school in Murrieta, it was just, like, all, 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 all white people. It's not like I'm going to go to, the, like, the two black people in my school and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend so that I can have a black friend? You know what I mean? Like, and so just, and, and vice versa too, you know, when your black friend came and hung out with us and was like, I haven't really had a lot of experiences with Filipino culture. Yeah. And he was like, how was your experience as a, as a Filipino, you know, ch- ch- child woman. immigrant, a yeah. woman, you know? And it was, I didn't take it to any offense. It's right. just like, oh, like, we like need to have my experience you know yeah like uh, in our circles and in a lot of like white circles it's like a lot of just white people i don't know if i'm gonna say that. anyways 
Where you live, if you're a middle class person, when you go to high school, things like that, yeah. there's going to be more white people there. So there's, there feels like a clear divide, right? Lower class places that are predominantly black, they're all there. So yeah, where you live in downtown San Diego, downtown, um, a couple blocks over, it's not exactly downtown and it's a little more urban, but that's just how the, the chips fall. And I think that because those people have a lot of the wealth, they have an iPhone and they get to take pretty pictures and they get to make things and make more money. Um, so that's what happens in the media. It becomes whitewashed, not because they're doing it on purpose, some of them are, but not because they're the they're ones that purpose. have the power. They have privilege to be like, yeah, I'm going to make my movie. I'm going to make my, I'm going to hire my friends. I'm going to hire people that look like me. When I write a story, it's going to be about my experience. My experience. And that's fine. But that's why it seems, quote, whitewashed. It's because those are the people that can make those things and do those things. So you learn. And if you're in Marietta, your parents were like, let's go to, we're middle class. Let's go somewhere where you can have a proper education. And guess what? Happens to be white. Yeah. They're also the ones that are in those positions of power, right? Like that one post that was like, uh, 99.0 whatever uh, people in Congress or coaches or teachers are like white mm-hmm. yeah. and like yeah so it's just I mean wow what a con- what a conversation that definitely was like our topic of conversation solely for that time being it's still like a regular like daily <laughs> conversation yeah. conversation here in the household just unpacking identity politics mm-hmm. and then I think we needed to take like a restoration like look at ourselves and just be like are we surviving or are we living um like physically are we healthy emotionally are we healthy are we still like in a relationship because like we really hit it hard with like teamwork um but it was like how we looked at each other for who we are instead of who we represent in society right. in a month oh yeah you're samla oh yeah you're abby like i'm not <laughs> a black man i'm patrick right i am a black man but i'm also patrick yeah, yeah. so we definitely dialed back on that and um and then things got kind of difficult between the three of us yeah. um, when we did start to do that. So all these outside sources of distractions, but now that we started to look inward, um, there's a lot of insecurities for all of us. Mm-hmm. And being in a throuple is a very difficult thing to do because you have basically three couples living together, <laughs> you know? You've got um, this triangle. And so it was quite a dance to figure out what we wanted to do next. And With all of us being at home all the time. Yeah. And all of us suddenly working, uh, we really like hit it off. With it. You started tutoring, a tutoring business. Your streaming became a business, not just a pastime. My, like, I had so much work. I had so much work. I'm blessed to have so, have much, so work. much work. Um, illustration work, and I was teaching, I am teaching like eight or nine fitness classes a week on Zoom. Um, and it was just like, oh yeah, we have like, we, yes, we have a responsibility to erase la raza to the, you know, to the country, um, and we have a responsibility to the people paying us, so let's get paid. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, oh, we have a responsibility to each other as lovers? What is love? <laughs> <laughs> love. What is this love? What is this, what love, is this you love you speak of? Um, so that's been like the past month or so. Um, so so two months ago, yeah, we decided that we weren't going to move in together. So that's kind of where we're at right now today. Our lease ends at our, the end of August. Our lease ends at the end of August. We said specifically, I think maybe in the first tea brief or the second one, actually the second one, mm-hmm. before we told you all that we were together, obviously. <laughs> and uh, 
we said we we're gonna do this for a year and a day, you know, that lease, and then come back together and see, do we want to live together anymore? And just renegotiate like the terms of our relationship. Like literally, when we said a year and a day, when we did our hand fasting, kind of, um, it was like, okay, let's see how this all works together in a giant fusion yeah. in one giant space loft downtown apartment and um and it was beautiful it was fucking beautiful this for what it was this year has been so so dense mm. and so full of transformative pain weirdness death and triumphs mm. yeah you know like we really have like gone through was, the ringer yeah and i was telling pat the other day that like this is a fixed point in life there's these fixed points that you go through in life that there was a before and there's an after. There was who I was before my mom went into a coma and then who I was after. There's a before, you know, my parents split up and then there's an after. And, and it's like these very like definitive moments where it was like, you know, who I was before I knew you guys yeah. and who I am now. Absolutely. You know, who I am after this year. So much growth. So much growth. And nobody could ever, as it was like something I said too, it was like no matter what happens between the three of us, you know, like nobody can ever take away what we've all experienced together. Yeah. Ever. Mm. Ever, ever, ever. It's not something like, oh yeah, whatever. Oh, like, you know, sometimes you talk about like an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend, you're like, oh yeah, then I dated this person for a year and you like continue on. Like, we're not a one sentence type of relationship. We really aren't. Yeah. Um, and just irreversible, we've done irreversible damage to one another. <laughs> In a way, that's really, really spectacular. Yeah. And I think that that's part of where my fear was coming from, of, like, letting go of, letting go of, you know. Um, was this fear of, like, am I just going to be a story to you guys? That, like, you guys will continue on this, the Garnet story. And, like, you know, you guys have a lot of amazing stories and I've, I've sat in your audience with popcorn many, many times. <laughs> and it was this fear of like, am I just gonna be another story? That like, they'll continue on in their life and have all these epic stories and then just be like, oh yeah, and remember that one time that we lived in California with our girlfriend for a year? That was crazy, right? Like, It's so much more than that. We have like, a, we have a chapter book series already just from Honestly, guys, if we wrote a book about this last year, it would be a bestseller. <laughs> I would read that and be like, what? Like, what? Like, we I, have a podcast. So. We have a podcast. I mean, it's still here. Like I said, this is season, this is the season finale. It may be the series finale. We're not currently... putting pressure on it. Yeah, we're not putting pressure on it. We all look forward to the future. Um, that siren. Downtown living, everyone. Mm-hmm. We are currently moving out today. So there are lots of boxes on the floor and they are very empty. Um, but that's what's going on. So we're n- Thruple Trouble will not be living together any longer. Um, Sam and I <clears throat> got a place together. Uh, Abby got her own place. And Abby also is dating someone. And got a dog. I got a dog too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just throwing that in there. Yeah, and so the question that people have been asking us and we've been asking ourselves and we've been asking each other yeah. is, all right, because our moving situation, our living situation doesn't, we found doesn't work with all of us in one space and we go our separate ways, like, are we still going to be together? 
what does and what that does together look, look like? like? What does that even mean? Like, if what what's in a name? What's a title? What's a title? Like, are you still my boyfriend and girlfriend? But then I started dating this person, and all right, getting real, real. You know, like part of the reason why I, you know, am kind of taking my life and, and, and living my own life now is because what I do want is a husband and kids. Yeah. And I love you guys so, 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 so deeply. And to know that, like, I can't have that with you guys, that that's not what this is. It's not like I'm going to have Patrick as my husband and you as my wife and we're all going to be a thruple family and have all these mixed-race babies running around. Like, you know, like, that's not what this is leading to. And so then I had to kind of, first of all, accept that. Mm. You know, just come to this, like, acceptance and this peace about it rather than like this you know from my own trauma of just like wanting so badly to have a family sure. um, wanting so badly to like build a home and to like do that with you guys for a year but then also know that it has its limitations you know and so so there's a, there's been a lot a lot of processing that over the past few months um, and sitting with that sadness um, and now we're here, you know? And um, I feel like I did need to go through that sadness um, to, to release it and to accept that, like, even if I don't have forever with you guys in that capacity, that doesn't mean that we can't have forever in, in another, each other's lives. In each other's lives in another capacity. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have the opportunity to build that together. And I think that Sam, you know, you told me, like, rather than, like, running away from the scary thing, why don't we run towards something exciting? And here I was just scared, 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 like, living in fear, living in fear that, like, I'm going to lose you guys. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose you guys just like I've lost everyone else. There's, like, I lost my home, blah, 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 blah. And rather than, like, bracing for impact, I am like, you know what? Like, let's look forward to my life. And it's a good one. And my story. The love story that I'm gonna get to build with someone else, um, you know, and and whatever epic love story I'll have, like I I have that security within myself that I can create that, that I am a master creator and I can create that. You are, yeah. And you guys have taught me so much about creating, and being a co-creator of our experience, and I know that. Even though I don't have that part, that particular version of you know a life with you guys, like you're still in my corner forever, always. Yeah, and like you've sat, you've had front row seats to like the roles that we play in our communities and our friendships and our families. And like Pat and I are not the types of people to like bunker down for long periods of time and be like and just be like it's just about you and me. Like everyone else can go to hell. Like. We have to, like, schedule out that kind of time so we can give each other one-on-one attention. We're always in communication and supporting and, like, hanging up art shows for other friends. We're the ones helping other people move. We're the ones, like, pulling together events and, like, you know, all of that, all of that. So, you know, on the phone with multiple people every single day, Um, even before COVID was a thing. And that being said, I think I've missed you a lot. Yeah, that's something we have to work on. Right now, we get to work on. Yeah, right now in our relationship, it's been so many things that we've spoken about. You know, pandemic, business, 
where do we stand with each other? Um, and our marriage really took a back seat to pretty much everything. It really did. And it took a back seat to being in a throuple because it was a new relationship. Um, and so that's the way that's the way it's kind of felt, and I think that's why we came down to this decision because you our marriage takes a back seat. Your uh, your dream of having a husband and kids takes a back seat, and to I'm do so that long term. Is that really what's best for all of us if we really care about each other that much? I'm so grateful for having spent that time together. I don't think it took away from anything. I think we super, yeah. super grew. hundred percent. No, like I don't regret. A thousand percent. Dude. Fucking awesome. Like, we are not the same people that we were a year ago at all. At all. At all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now it's time to depart, um, but to depart in friendship and being proud of one another. Like I'm so proud of you guys for just everything you've become and uh, honestly after everything that's gone down sam i'm proud of us still being married <laughs> yeah i know dude the fact that we are sitting at a table over a hot beverage hot caffeinated beverage like on the top floor shooting of this downtown. Shit with each other is a fucking triumph like how many it's not about comparing to other people so i don't even bring that in but there was a really the, the odds were against us even without a pandemic, even without a political uprising. Oh, the divorce even, rate went up during the pandemic. I'll yeah, tell you right now. even without all of that, if everything had, you know, like a normal 2020 had gone down and we would have been able to like do downtown like how traditionally you would, the odds were against us that we would be together right now having this conversation as best fucking friends, as soul, soul in, like intertwined souls. Soul bonded. Soul, soul bonded, bonded yeah. intertwined um loving super loving and rooting for one another the odds are against us and that's a fucking feat yeah well like the we paint a lot of metaphors with our words and it's beautiful because we just take each other on these like visual experiences like in our minds with our words and i was saying that you know <laughs> this past year has been like climbing this treacherous tumultuous mountain that like, everybody told us not everyone to everyone was like don't go there Dude, why would you do that to yourself why would you do that to your marriage like why look at that, that scary mountain like no one has ever come back alive there's ogres and demons and lavas you gotta jump and shit like, we don't even know and every step of the way you could you could go down and i i'm telling you man every single step of the way i really was like hanging on by a fucking by pinky. A, by pinky by a fucking pinky just like you know full like just climbing over rocks and obstacles but, every, obstacles, but there, were, there were these great moments where Waterfalls we all just like and clearings yeah sat down on the on the ledge and we were just like god damn god. look at the view yeah look down can't don't go back that way no, look, look up oh, fuck there's a lot more to climb but we're here right now together yeah and i think that something that is really special about us being brave and having the fucking audacity to do it anyways and like, despite everyone else telling us that it was gonna fucking burn, a lot about you know, it's I was like, telling you last night, I feel like a badass. Yeah, like we, like we right now, get to experience the view top from the mountain, the summit, the summit. This that, is that moment. This is the moment that like no one else, who was never brave, like who's not brave, who doesn't have that courage, like would ever experience. It's like it's like when you go through boot camp together with a group of a group of people, okay. and you're training for war. And um, and I, I imagine what the Romans felt like, you know, when they fought together, and like looking at you two and being like, badass, like this is exactly. I'm so my shield brothers. I'm sister. so like yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like you're you're in me, 
and you're you're exactly who you are and like I trust you and like you're fuck if I don't want anybody else you know like left and right like you guys are here hold it down I mean that's what it was at the protest you held it down you held it down when <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. like it's like yeah. that is like a like a a unit a unit like a metaphorical and like literal like I will stand by you in the war of the streets and the, the war of, of the, the heart, heart and the war that the spiritual warfare that we're in like I am your right hand man I'm your goat too. <laughs> and I'm your left hand link. <laughs> Tell me y'all are jelly right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. But yeah. for real though. I love you guys so much. Guys. I love you so much. This is a wild ride. And we have some wonderful things to look forward to. Like I was saying, Sam, I'm really, really looking forward to deepening our marriage and um, getting to know you again. Getting to know you again. And I'm really looking forward to the joy that this person in your life brings you and to see you smile and to see you feel satisfied in, in taking your seat next to the throne of your king slash queen. Not going to disclose who that person is. But let me just say, hi, I'm Patrick. Nice to meet you. <laughs> if you're listening. What up? What's it's your up? homie. <laughs> it's your homie's homie. <laughs> And we love her very, very much. And, um, and I'm really proud of you for doing this with us, even though it was scary, and being able to de depart in with your head held high. Yeah, dude. You always told me that you're going to leave me better than when you found me. Promise. And facts. Facts. Cold, hard, cold facts. I am so much more brave because of your love. And I'm so much more passionate and here because of your love. And, and, and because of Garnet, like I'm like present and I know my power and I can come you to the table. Joy, babe. You really did. And people think that, people may see us and think that we're, you know, some people may think we're just perfect. Some people may be like they're a mess because of what they, what they get into. But like being in a true lifelong partnership, being in a marriage, like you got front row seats and you saw how fucking dark it can get yeah. and also how you can soar high as celestial beings and become gods with one another and you got to see that whole thing up and down up and down and, participate. and, down. and participate you weren't just bearing witness like you were participating yeah. um i feel like we all played the game like we all gave it our all um at different times like our best moments were when all of us were giving our all but like we all really stepped into our power in our own ways and collectively in a way that it wouldn't have unfolded had we not crossed paths and taken that big leap together that big leap of faith like leap and the net shall appear right now like as we are climbing up this mountain we are leveling up mm -hmm. we did we did level up together yeah, yeah. and we, we stand at the summit we're gonna throw a rope ladder down so we don't have to do that fucking climb again. <laughs> I feel like I feel like um, feel like I have a grappling hook. Needs a parachute, hang glider. Yes, we were literally saying that. Like, there's um a warp pad. A warp pad. We have a warp pad to the top now where we can just fly back. Shoot right up. It's like, Abby, there's a warp pad here. I like already shot my grappling hook up, and I'm like, see you guys there. Abby just wings it and jumps like. Like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. At the end, she just jumps into the fog. You're like, all right, all right. I guess we'll see her at the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a 
ride, you guys. I love you. I can't imagine doing 2020 and this whole year with anybody else. And you know, I will say, yes, this past year. But even moving forward, you know, and I want to make sure that whoever it is that I end up with, this guy or whoever else, like, they know. I'll do. They know. That person will know how important you guys are to me and how like deep like how deep you are knitted into the fabric of who I am you know we grew up together this year a lot yeah yeah so looking forward um, you may get more episodes of tea brief um, but we are going to depart in friendship we have our friendships to look forward to. And love. And love. So love is not demoted. No. no matter what the title is. Mm -hmm. I'm friends with you too. You're my wife, but I'm, sure. I'm looking forward to being your friend. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we're going to continue to figure this out. Like this journey is not by any means over. Um, but I think we have settled what we came here to settle. I think we, that when trouble trouble started, like we, <laughs> we tied it up real nice with a bow at the end. And so we're going to pack this place up and um, close this chapter. But leave here in power. But leave here in power. Yeah. And hand you, in hand. You may see us. You may see us for another, uh, a, another. You know, whatever the next chapter comes. Um, I can't guarantee when or where or how. But thank you, guys, so much for listening. And um, I hope that you learned something from our musings. I hope you felt like you're not alone in your life and um, that we could come along on your journeys while you listen to this podcast and laugh at our goofiness on our Instagram. It was all for sharing ourselves to bring value to anybody out there that's listening. Yeah, to anyone out there who's listening, just like know that, you know, you're not too weird, you're not too short. You're not too ugly. You're not too, too dumb. Loud too you're much. not too much of anything. Really, like, you're not lacking. You have everything that you need within yourself. And the relationships that you invite into your life are meant to exemplify and push you, like, magnify you, and hold you up and give you an opportunity to hold them up. And really, if that was accomplished, it, it doesn't really matter what the title is at the end of it because that's what makes life worth living you're allowed to make up your own rules here yeah. but there are guidelines in this world on how to do things and you're allowed to look at them objectively bend them how you want and um, just live all the way and I just think that like you guys have shown me that like magic does exist Magic truly does exist. It doesn't matter. Whatever insecurities that I may have about how I exist in the world, I'm too much, I'm too loud. Abby, tone it down, whatever. Like, when I found you guys, it just felt like, ah, oh, finally. Finally, my people! I can, <laughs> you know? I can exist at full volume. I can exist at full volume, you know? And I don't have to water myself down, or I don't have to tone it down, because you guys accept me exactly as I am. And love me exactly celebrate as I am. You. And celebrate all of those qualities about me. And, yeah, I just thank you guys for showing me that magic exists. 
Thanks for making magic with us, baby. <laughs> I tend to be the kind of person that is always looking after everyone else and wanting to make sure everyone else is okay. Uh, when I was a baby, I used to always sleep between my grandma and my grandpa. And that made me feel really, really safe and like I have a place, you know, like a, like a gem lodged in the socket it's supposed to be in between those two people. And over the last year, being nestled in between you guys have really healed a lot of my heart, I think, that I didn't even know that I needed. So thank you for, in tandem, holding me up. Um, okay, so I guess moving forward, I will just drop our Instagram handles where you can follow <laughs> us, and that's where you'll get the update of how this is all going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have, um, you know, Thruple Trouble still exists um, when we're together. Thruple.Trouble. At Trouble on Instagram. Know that it still exists, but... We're still going to have dance parties. But we're, we're going still going to have dinner parties. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to separate, so it won't be as frequent, obviously, because we won't be together all the time. We won't be living together all the time. So, you know, still keep up with us if you're a fan, because we're definitely a fan of you. And um, and that's that, my friends. Today's hop on, moving day. Hop onto Twitch. Yeah. Dot com slash Daydream Boy for Pat. Uh, I'm not... Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say we're, we're moving out now. So I had such a lovely closing statement, and I forgot it. Um, so that was the end of uh, this episode. It's called, what is it? Uh, Polyamory, pandemics, and protests. AKA weird, agonizing, and triumphant. At the end, we are at the summit, and we're going to jump off now and go our ways. My name is Patrick. You can see me on Instagram at daydreamboy underscore daydreamboy and twitch.tv slash daydreamboy. I go live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 o'clock Pacific, 5 o'clock Eastern. If you want to hang out, you might see some cameos of my two best friends. What up, internet users? It's your girl, Abby Z. <laughs> Abigail, Abby. <laughs> A dot M underscore Quinn. Come and watch me learn how to rollerblade and do yoga things. And I'm Samla at Samla Art, S-A-M-E-L-A-A-R-T. I part-time, full-time live on Instagram, so hit me up. Word. And you can find us again at thruple.trouble. Um, we're going to do our things and figure our lives out and rearrange and just live an experience. But uh, look out for the Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you guys when we catch you. Take care of yourselves. Trouble, trouble. Out! <laughs>